Hello, and welcome to the World We Live In podcast, midweek current events edition. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, welcome. This is a new thing that I'm starting. Uh, every Wednesday, I will, I will release an episode, mainly about current events, um, sort of with a political leaning, um, stories that I find interesting, stories that came across me, um, and yeah, each, each week might have a different topic, haven't really sorted that out, I just wanted to try and get some more content out there. Um, this will just be me um, doing these episodes. Um, if you're not a listener, be sure to um, check out our episodes um, on Friday. If you haven't listened before, we're on iTunes um, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. I have been transitioning hosting sites, so if you don't see them on like Spotify and some other places... That might just be because I'm still working through that. But um, yes, iTunes for sure. Um, So yeah, I'm going to start this every Wednesday and we'll see where it goes. So this week I saw, actually I think it happened last night. Um, Ayanna Presley is a Democratic um, politician from Massachusetts. This article um, from BuzzFeed says, Ayanna Presley, a Boston city councilor on Tuesday, became the first black woman to win a House primary in Massachusetts, ushering into Congress a new era of fierce activist leadership in the mold of Shirley Chisholm and Adam Clayton Powell Jr. It says, Incumbent, Rep- incumbent Representative Michael Capuano, a 10-year lawmaker, who until now had never been seriously challenged for his seat, conceded to Presley early Tuesday night as votes were still being counted. Um, so yeah, she won the spot to, um, she won the Democratic spot um, to run for Congress. Super cool. There's a video of her on the BuzzFeed site as she's winning, and it's it's really cool. She's stunned. Absolutely stunned, and um, it's super heartwarming video. You can tell, you can tell that she has a passion um, for doing this because the way she reacts is just uh, anybody who has ever done something or won something that they're really passionate about can relate to this because um, the way she reacts is similar to how I would react and I'm sure how many other people would react to something that they've put tons of hours into and have dedicated argue well she has dedicated her life to doing um, this political work um, and that other people in other topics have have done so as well so that was super cool to see be sure to watch that um, yeah this was a huge win. This was a huge win. Um, she's uh, 44, I believe. So she's bringing in um, younger leadership, um, which is definitely needed in both parties. Um, a 10-term a um, lawmaker, um, Michael Capuano, that's a long time. That's a long time. Um, from what I've read, it sounds like he was fairly respected, um, but that's a long time for anybody to be doing anything consistently. Um, and so in my opinion, there needs to be, there needs to be some fresh leadership on both sides of the aisle. And I think that's coming around the corner. Um, 
a lot of people are uh, encouraging younger younger individuals to um, run for office and um, different types of people, not just politicians, businessmen, everybody, um, and some. There are some other. Uh, there are some other places where younger younger leadership is picking up picking up pace. So that was super cool to see. Uh, be sure to watch this up again. Um, for those of you who don't listen, I post everything that I use uh, for stories on here on my website, worldwelivein.org. I will post um, all of my uh, sources that I've used for this episode on there. So be sure to check this video out if you haven't seen it already. It, it was on Twitter, so some people may have seen it. Um, so very cool on there. Um, and yeah, hopefully uh, that goes well. Um, Michael Capuano, um, he congratulated her. There was no, um, there was no, doesn't, from what I've read, it doesn't seem like there was any ill will among either, which is good to see. Um, (laughs) if you've, if you've listened to me and Kyle talk before, we've talked about the peaceful transition of power, um, and how that separates. Really, I think it separates countries that succeed and countries that don't, um, I mean, you see areas where um, I'm mainly citing Africa, but it's happened in Eastern Europe and other places where you have one party wins and then all of a sudden there's war. And it's like, okay, that doesn't do much. Like, if anything, it takes us backwards. Um, Even if the person that gets in power doesn't or isn't the person you want to see, it's usually not the end of the world. Now, in certain cases, yes, there has been where people get in power and then it becomes a dictatorship. And inevitably people, there's killing and all that. And yes, that happens. I'm not saying it doesn't. We, I, I mean, you can think of, I'm sure you can think of many times it's happened. But as countries progress, I feel like the peaceful transition of power is the key to continuing progress as a nation. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's pretty straightforward to me. Um, get, having that happen is not straightforward, but the idea that that needs to happen for a country to progress, I feel like, is pretty straightforward. So, kind of transitioning on that, um, the other week I had heard that, um, <laughs> that Australia just got its fifth prime minister in five years. Fifth prime minister in five years. So, apparently, actually, not apparently, this <laughs> this is legitimate. Um, Scott Morrison wins after Liberal Party rebellion. So, I'm going to read you a couple paragraphs here. It says, this is from Newser.com. In the 35 years between 1975 and 2010, Australia had five prime ministers, the same number it has now had in the last five years. The latest to enter the revolving door is Scott Morrison, who emerged triumphant Friday, and this article was written on um, August 24th, so week and a half, a couple weeks ago. Um... Scott Morrison, who emerged triumphant Friday after Malcolm Turnbull was forced out by his own party, the BBC reports. Members of the ruling Liberal Party 
the more conservative of Australia's two main parties forced a leadership contest in which Turnbull declined to stand. Morrison, a hardline conservative who served as a treasurer under Turnbull, beat former Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton 45-40 to in an internal ballot. It has been such a privilege to be the leader of this great nation, Turnbull said. I love Australia. I love Australians. Turnbull is the fourth prime minister to have been forced out by colleagues over the last decade, and his exit may lead to a new election, The Guardian reports. He says he won't stay in government, which will erase the liberal-led coalition's single-seat majority. Turnbull was forced out by a right-wing rebellion in his party that Peter Harcher, writing in the Sydney Morning Herald, calls pointless. It brought down a prime minister, destabilized the government, damaged the standing of the ruling party, unsettled the country, and made Australian democracy an even bigger laughingstock, he writes, without, satisf- without satisfying the disgruntled faction that started it all. So yeah, um, it's, it's really interesting to talk about and read what happens in other countries. Um, especially like, well, I do find the developing world fascinating, but even the developed world, such as when, um, when Britain chose to, uh, leave, um, wow. When they chose to leave the EU, sorry, space there. Um, when they chose to leave the EU and how that went about and then, um, the French elections that happened, and I believe Germany has elections, or did have elections as well. So that's, I think it's interesting and fascinating, um, because each country is unique, and um, America is unique, definitely unique, um, and just like to examine other places and how they do things. Um, because they have different issues that we don't have to deal with, um, and we have a lot of issues that co- a lot of other countries don't have to deal with, or at least at a different scale. Um, so yeah, Australia, five prime ministers in five years, that's crazy. Um, we, I tend to think that even if a president gets elected for four years, the amount of impact he has is limited. A U.S. president. Like, the amount of stuff you can do in four years, uh, as far as, like, laws are concerned and getting everything for, through Congress and all the political red tape, four years, honestly, is not enough. And five prime ministers in five years, how does anyone get anything done? Now, I might be wrong, but that just seems like how it would work. Like, how can you get anything done? Government already takes so long to do anything as far as going up through levels, that I don't know how, I don't know how Australia is going anywhere right now. Um, and again, I may be wrong, but it just seems like that. Um, and I don't, I don't know a lot or anything about Australian political uh, climate. So, but that's just a guess. Um, and I feel like. A lot of people would agree with me. I mean, it only makes sense because you you have people transitioning in and out of power, and you got to you got to set everything up, bring new people in, do all this jazz. 
And by the time that happens, maybe people don't even like you. And there's already there's already something said in it's like, eh, maybe this guy isn't the right. Maybe we maybe we messed up. Maybe we should do it again. And yeah, that that is just a disaster. That's just a disaster. Um for as much as we may not like the person in office, not just right now, I'm talking about any time throughout the US history, at least like we've set in stone now accord of course there's impeachment and all that jazz. That hasn't happened very often though. Um at least we can say that like four years, cool. After that, don't like him, we can vote him out. We can get that done. Um, so, I don't know. Everyone has their... There's always... The, no system is perfect. I think you can agree with me on that. No system is perfect. There are flaws in every system. There's flaws in our system. There's flaws in Australia. There's flaws in Britain's system. There's flaws all over the world, no matter what system you're in, uh, what political system you like. There's flaws in everything. The thing that I think needs to be considered is what what um, what concoction or what maybe we can pick the best parts of each system and try to make a system that works for the vast majority. There are always going to be people that fall fall by the wayside, and that hopefully there are. Hopefully there are systems in place to catch those people. Hopefully there are government programs, private programs, that catch those people and lift them up. That is that is like the ultimate goal, is to make sure everyone's included and that what doesn't work for the, or what doesn't work for the minority, there are places and things to help them succeed. And hopefully they can come in and hopefully it includes all people all walks of life all races everybody for most people that is that is what we're working for I would argue for most people that's what we're working for there are people who disagree and they want only these type of people and yeah yeah we all know that we all know there's there we all know that there's there's always the, there's the extremes and everything but we all, I think, can say that everyone needs to be included. And that's the ultimate goal is to make sure, try and make sure everyone gets their fair share and is able to get the opportunities, be earn the opportunities, have the opportunities, and hopefully as a person, as an individual, you can take advantage of those opportunities and Make a good life for yourself. And hopefully the system has set it up to where you can succeed. And that the options are there for you to succeed. That's that's what we're going for. So yeah, off of that, um, hopefully, I, well, I should say hopefully it works out for Australia. I've never been to Australia. I've heard it's a beautiful place. Great people. For the Australian culture is very cool. I, I hope I hope it works out down there. I would hate to see it not. 
I would hate to see it not work out. Um, and hopefully it works out here as well. <laughs> Who knows, man? We're all just hanging on by the, by the, by the, uh, by our bootstraps. We're hanging on by our bootstraps, whatever the term is. So we're somehow hanging on. We're somehow hanging on. Well, um, let's transition here to, um, I may have mentioned this on, uh, on our regular episode that I do with Kyle on, um, at the end of the week, but this article from, uh, Politico, article from Politico talks about how, um, the constitution needs a reboot. If I haven't mentioned, mentioned this on the world we live in, I definitely think this is the case. Um, we do need a reboot. Um, we need somehow to revise. We need a we need a revision. We need a revision on the Constitution. Um, a lot of the stuff on there, um, and the way it's written is just a little outdated. And I think for most people, um, when you think about it. Um, you would agree. I mean, a document that was written 230... Well, it's a 231-year-old document. Um, it, it needs a revision. Um, this article uh, from Politico talks about um, the obvious problem that is the Electoral College. It says a system by which a minority of voters can elect the president. It remains in force not because we the people like it, it says every poll since 1944 has shown that to be false, but rather because Article 5 makes ours probably the hardest constitution in the world to amend. It also makes a president nearly impossible to remove. In modern parliamentary systems, an unfit or failing prime minister can be removed once clear problems emerge. But according to the Constitution, it takes first impeachment by the House and then a two-thirds vote of an already undemocratic Senate one doesn't necessarily have to look around for potentially more attractive models. It says, Wisconsin and California, for example, allow the electorate to recall governors in which they have lost faith in. So I think that's a good point. Um, states, one of the good things about a state is that they have a certain amount of power and that um, states can be breeding grounds for potential... Um, changes that could be made on the greater scale. It only makes sense. A state is a smaller um, area, smaller amount of people than the large country, and it is easier, although still difficult, to implement certain things that could translate to a larger scale. Um, so yeah, Wisconsin and California. I actually didn't know that. I read the article, and... Thought that was very cool. Um, continuing on, it says the constitution's the constitution's dysfunction extends far beyond any individual president. Thanks to its variety of veto gates, the document makes it nearly impossible to pass legislation truly meeting the problems facing the country. This is why presidents of both parties disgusted by Congress have pushed the envelope of executive power to do what they think best. Many Americans are rightly perturbed by Trump's claim of near dictatorial powers with regard to mobilization of America's military, control of immigration, or the imposition of tariffs against one and all countries around the world. 
I don't really want to get into uh, the political game um, as far as parties are concerned. The article continues on kind of in that uh, fashion, talking about Donald Trump. Yes, I do not think Donald Trump is the best. Um, Clearly, um, clearly he has said things, um, clearly racist things, clearly misogynist things, things that I disagree with, things that I don't think a president should say. But let's be honest. D.C. needs revamping. D.C. needs new leadership. They need new people. Or it's just going to be more of the same. We're just going to get bad people. It's the bottom line. If something doesn't change, if people like, um, if people like Presley from Massachusetts don't start running and we don't get new people in there, we're never going to know what different people feel like. And you can go back through Donald Trump's history and it is no mystery that that dude has been in some shady deals. He's a shady guy. That was no mystery ever. It was never a mystery. I didn't even know anything about the guy, and I knew he was shady. I could feel it. <laughs> well, when the dude talks, he's shady. So are a lot of other guys. I think Joe Biden's shady when he talks. I think a ton of those guys are shady when they talk. You don't get to that point by not doing a little something shady. Now, that last part's just my opinion. Maybe you could. Maybe you could get there just being an honest, good guy. But something tells me that's not the case. Bill Clinton. Shady guy. Something tells me that dude's done some shady stuff. Something tells me Hillary Clinton's done some shady stuff. You know? I just feel like not a lot of people get there by not doing shady stuff. So that's no mystery. Okay. I said I wouldn't get political. Obviously, I did. Apologize. Anyway, I do think the the Constitution needs revised. There are a ton of issues that that just need to be more expressed in a governmental way. Um, I think environmental issues have to be expressed in some sort of um, extended way. Um, Maybe the Constitution is the way to do that. I don't know. Um, But we we need to mix it up. It's been it's been the same way I feel like for too long, and um, we need some changes. I think there needs to be a new uh, a rise of a third party or a fourth party. I think there needs there needs to be some shakeup. There needs to be some shakeup that gets new minds in there, and you don't have to you don't have to get accepted by one party or the other to be a legitimate contender, to be a legitimate um, a legitimate. Uh, person in the mix. There needs to be there needs to be something happen. I mean I, I I think that's I think that's starting to happen. I think there's there's I think there's gonna be some shakeups. Um you could argue that this past election was a shake up. Um an anti stat well not an anti someone coming in from the outside and shaking things up. Uh I would argue not so much <laughs> for the for the good, not who I would, um, not who I would have chosen. 
Um, not who I would not who I would have chosen. Um, but you know, life goes on. Life goes on. It's not it's not it's not the end of the world when uh, when someone you don't like gets elected. Um, life life continues. We move on. We continue. So yeah, um, thought that was very cool. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about, which could get political if you chose to do it that way, but I don't think it should. Um, but this is the problem of food waste around the world. Now, as I have started to live on my own, I've tried not to waste a lot. I try to buy what I need at the store, buy what I need um, for the week, and try to eat all of it, and try not to waste stuff. Um, because that wasting of food was bad because there are people that could eat the food. Like, if you buy too much for yourself and don't eat it, that's just, that's just neglectful. It's just wasteful. Um, inevitably, I think it's going to happen. You're going to throw stuff away that you don't eat. But try to minimize that. There are people out there who don't have any food and who are, who are hungry. They're everywhere. All across the United States. All across the world. So I try to keep that in mind as well. Um, this article is from Popular Science. And um, really interesting um, the way, what they talked about. There's one paragraph in here that I want to, um, that I want to emphasize though. It says, consumer food waste varies extensively depending on the area of the world. In South and Southeast Asia, the Food and Agricultural Organization, or FAO, estimates that only around 5% of total wastage come from, comes from consumers. So those are the people eating the food. Most, instead, comes from the agricultural and handling storage phases of production. However, in America... As in Europe and industrialized Asia, which includes China, Japan, and South Korea, consumers are responsible for about a third of all food wastage. Agricultural, agriculture also accounts for about a third, and the remaining third is split evenly between the handling, storage, processing, and distribution phases. That is... I don't know. Maybe to some people that's not fascinating, but to me that is really interesting. It's almost as if here in America, the process from food to distrib from uh sorry from raising the food to di to distribution has become better, if not perfected. But the consumers, there are so many options. There are so many options, and so much of it. That we waste it because we buy too much, or that it, or that it wastes at the grocery store. So that's really interesting. It sounds like in America and in industrialized Europe and China, we have to do a better job of relying on ourselves to make the right decisions and calculate how much we actually need and how much we actually don't. It's like. My mom always told me, um, you can always add more. It's difficult to take away. You can always go, you can all, most places, most places, you can always go get some more food. 
It's very difficult, and to me, a little, uh, a little upsetting when I have to throw away stuff. When I have to throw away food that I know I neglected to eat, or to be honest with you, I've bought, I've bought vegetables, and I know I'm not the only person, I am admitting it, but I'm not the only person who has bought vegetables and have been like, you know what, I don't really want to eat those. I bought a head of, uh, a head of broccoli, I'm not really feeling that, and then it just goes bad. I am guilty of that, and I know some of you are. Anyway, um... There's a chart in here that's really fascinating. It says the environmental cost of the food you waste. Beef is at the top of this list, along with cheese, farm-raised fish, pork, chicken, eggs. Um, it goes down from there, uh, starts to decrease gradually. Um, uh, where'd I go? Chicken, eggs, olive oil, coconut oil, sunflower oil, almonds, Brown rice, pecans, watermelon, pistachios, walnuts, potato chips. Keeps going down from there. It ends at carrots and lettuce are at the bottom. And it is based on greenhouse gas emissions in CO2 equivalents per kilogram. So beef is past like 30. So... You can imagine, though. I'm sure many of you have heard that um, that beef and uh, factory farming contributes to a large amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. I don't think that's a mystery to anybody. Factory farming is awful. It's very harmful to the environment. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough issue. It's a tough issue because, yes, it contributes to the farming. Um does it feed people? Yes. Probably. The amount of food, though, to raise those cattle is astronomical. There are, there are places in... And I, know, I know this happened in Brazil, or is still happening, but they cut down forests just to build farms to raise food to feed the cattle, not even the humans, just the cattle. The amount of water that it takes to raise a cat to raise cattle and other and other uh, farm life on these mass produced farms, it's 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 uh it's it's quite it's quite the scene. And there are countless documentaries that have been made about it. Um, you can take your pick. They all have their own agenda. Um, but you search it on the internet real fast. Meat, meat factory documentaries or. Factory farm documentaries, you'll 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 find you'll find out pretty quickly what that looks like, and it's not pretty. So anyway, I may have ran a little long. Um, just some things to think about. Um, yeah, think about my takeaway for the first episode. Let's do that. My takeaway for the first episode is think about your impact on the world. Think about what you do on a daily basis that impacts the environment and the people and society around you. And maybe that needs to be fixed. Maybe it doesn't. I have a quote on, it's not really a quote, it's just a phrase. I'm sure many people have said it. It's currently on a blackboard in my room. It says, do better. 
Maybe you're doing good right now. Maybe you're doing okay. But is that good enough for you? Is it good enough for the people around you? Are you making it? Yeah, I'm making it. Am I doing good? I'm doing good. Could I be doing better? Yes. And I think most of us could be doing better as well. So peace out. Thank you for listening to the first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you listened to our episodes on Friday. Me and Kyle are super funny. Yeah, we're super funny. <laughs> we're super funny. We do some really cool topics. I hope you um, I hope you listen to that if you haven't listened to it already. Um, and yeah, I appreciate you. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you later. 